0: Welcome to the Counselor Podcast Power 50 series, where we speak to some of the most influential executives in the promo products market. The in-depth conversations are sure to be revealing and informative. Okay, on this week's podcast, we welcome in Jason Robbins from ePromo's Promotional Products. Jason, how are you today?
1: Doing great, Andy. Good to talk to you.
0: Good to talk to you, too. Thanks for taking the time out. Now, Jason, you're new to the Power 50 list this year. How does it feel to, to make the list uh, in 2015?
1: Oh, it feels great. It feels great. We, uh, we've been working really hard for a long time, and uh,
0: nice to be recognized.
1: So thank you for that.
0: Very good. Well, you guys are uh, growing very fast and on our top 40 list as well. So uh, let's jump into it and we can get your opinions on various things in the promotional products industry today. So, first, what's your outlook for uh, the promotional products market over the next year or so? Uh, for the next year or so? I mean, I think we're, as a business, we're tied to the economy and I can't really predict the economy. So.
1: And I know, I know that as a business, we're doing all the things that we think are the right things to do. But uh, it economy does look a little bit iffy. You know, it's been, been a long time since we've had, like, warnings and scares. And now it, was, it seems like every week there's something we're worried about. But, you know, 17, 18 years in, in our, with E-Promos, we've, we've weathered some, plenty of storms before. So uh, I, think, I think we'll all be okay
0: <laughs> in the long run. Very good. Now, does that, uh, do you think that the uh, economy, specifically next year with uh, the elections coming, is that a, uh, a boost for the market uh, that, that the, the industry has to look forward to?
1: You know, we don't do very much election business ourselves, and, and I don't believe that the vast majority of the uh, people in in our business do a lot of election business where it's meaningful. Uh, you know, to, to their, to their bottom line. So, um, I mean, for me, I don't think the election year is going to do much. I mean, the scariest part of election year is, uh, potentially candidates, uh, making policy to swear off, uh, promo items. Like this state will never use promo items again. (laughs) So that would be, that, that's what I would be worried about, especially today after, uh, you know, the government thinks it can tell people where they can and can't raise prices on things they sell. Right. So, like, Hillary had a comment on drug pricing, and suddenly uh, the entire drug market is uh, depressed in terms of stock
0: prices. Yes, that happened fast. (laughs) Yeah. That's for sure. Now, so you guys are, for the most part, uh, an e-commerce company, um, and uh, our state of the industry report estimates that about 16% of overall distributor sales are generated via e-commerce. How do you see that number changing in the coming years?
1: Well, I would think that that number is going to grow. Uh, we'd like it to grow. We think that we're positioned as a business for growth in that area. I think the big macro trend here is that buyers used to have fewer ways or less efficient ways to learn where to first buy promotional items. So let's say you're a 22-year-old kid or, or not even that. You're someone who's, who's just hired into a company, and at some point you're, you're asked to be responsible for buying promotional products. Um, and the old days you'd be like where do I get this stuff maybe you knew somebody or maybe you'd ask around and they're like oh that so and so knocks on our door every couple of weeks or call this person or there was different ways today it's all about the internet Everyone wants to get an answer. You go out to dinner with people, and someone says, you know, what year did Abacab come out? And they, they're, they're like, oh, I'll tell you in a second. And they go to the Google, and they find out, oh, Genesis Abacab. I think it was like in 1984. <laughs> so every, everybody You're
0: has You're showing a little this,
1: age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, you know, everyone has this thing where I just go, they want to do their research on their own. They want to do their, potentially their buying on their own they don't want to be helped right now let me first do all the research then i'll go into the car showroom kind of speak mm-hmm. uh you know so to speak so um that i think that that's your big trend here and so i can't imagine that uh if your number sixteen percent, that it doesn't continue to grow now will the entire uh, business ever go online no
2: right.
1: uh no way i think there's three kinds of customers there's the kind of customer that uh is very technically oriented they so mo- so much want to work uh, on the website and buy on the website that they'll call you and tell you where your website could be improved for them. There's, then there's the customer who says, oh, I want to use the website as a research tool, but in combination with getting my questions answered by someone who knows what they're talking about. And then there's the other kind of customer who kind of, once they work with you, they let the salesperson do it all. I'm looking for X or this. Go find it for me. Send me send me an email with pictures. Right. I think there's probably a whole whole bunch of that going on in the industry today as well. Sure. But sales calls are sales calls are not uh, you know not desired or really requested all that much anymore. And that used to be the the uh, the way we used to do it. You know, if we took the opportunity to spend time to go visit someone face to face, they kind of owed us one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of not that not that way anymore. Right. So to your, to the end, my answer on the. Uh, on the 16% is that I do think it's going to grow, but it, you know maybe, I can't estimate, but maybe it's 40%, maybe it's 50%. Cool. I do think that having a website is essential today for any serious uh, distributor, let's put it that way.
0: And when you say that, you mean not just a website, but a, an e-commerce-enabled website, I would assume.
1: Well, how do you differentiate between an e-commerce-enabled and a website? One's a brochure and one can really take orders? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I would say that um, the brochure side could work because, like I said, half of the battle is getting answers for people,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but, but you're really cutting off the people who expect you to be everything.
0: Right. You know what I mean? Sure. All right, so uh, it takes me to my next question. It's kind of an overarching one, but what do you think are some of the biggest challenges challenges the companies in this industry face today?
1: Well, let's see. I mean, I would think what we were just discussing, not having a website, mm-hmm. is, uh, not having a good website is definitely one challenge. I mean, even if we get an ASI website, it still takes a lot of work to get it customized to really be their own thing. Sure. And, um, you know, my, my, I, I can't help but, but think about how many people in this industry who are either really good salespeople themselves and maybe have a few assistants or assistants and they run a really nice business. They have no time for that. Mm-hmm. or or salespeople that work for somebody. If I worked for a person who did 50% of the entire revenues of my company and, and that person was also the owner, I'd, I'd really be concerned. In my opinion, it'd be a very rare case that those people are getting the level of technology, systems, service, and operations and support that, that they could get out there in, in the world today. Right. In the industry. So in terms of challenges, I think... You know, there's those, there's those challenges right there. And then, of course, the big other challenges are there are people out there who who know what they want to buy. And if they want, know what they want to buy and they go to the web and they can find exactly what they're looking for, then they're going to be able to do that. And you're not going to be able to necessarily retain them if you don't add the value. So it may become harder and harder to add value to people, to customers, especially when they know what they want.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, customers today have no problem buying lanyards from lanyards.com and mugs from mugs.com, and, you know, that's just the way, the way it works because, when, you know, when, when they know what they want, it's pretty easy to go out there do the research. And I find less and less people are calling and saying, give me an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, well, actually, I, I, I should correct that. A lot of, a lot of our best clients who have been working with us for a long time and are loyal and they've been through, like, every type of item they want something new and different, and they, and they need some ideas. It really depends on the kind of client. I guess the uh, overarching thing, the challenge is really is to find the customer base that you serve that really appreciates the value you add.
0: Right. Uh, so do you think that, um, that those clients are uh, that you were referencing as far as uh, you know, going to online sites, is that a price thing or is that a convenience thing?
1: I think it's both, but it's, I would say it's, it's convenience more than price. People just want to do stuff themselves these days. They don't want help. I want to go to the web. I want to type in my, what, I, what I'm looking for. I want to get some answers. And if that site looks professional and I know what they're doing and the price seems reasonable to me, I might just check out or uh, check out and call on the way that checking out and get it done. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would I would think that it's both. Price, certainly. Oh, there's a lot of people that are price conscious. and you know they have the right to be. It's it's just the way it is. It's a right. free market. And if if there's a site out there that wants to have, and I'm, I'm making this up because I don't know if it exists, but you know promo white dot com, and all they sell is white mugs, right. and they sell them really cheap because they don't have to, pay pay for the overhead, you know, from a a big full line dis- supplier. Then you know they might get some business. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that's I think that's the whole future of this industry. I mean I think if we talk about what the business looks like in ten years. There's just it's going to be super fragmented. Lots of choices to to buy lots of things from lots of different people through lots of different channels, and uh, I, I think you know we have customers and we say hey we sell a pal and we sell this and we sell that and you find out they're getting their lanyards from lanyards.com but they're getting certain things from us and they're getting their t-shirts from somewhere else. That's the the world today. Doesn't uh, and as much as you tell them it's a one-stop shop, they don't necessarily. Like that because it requires a phone call or an email to someone, as opposed to this impersonal. Just go to the web. Right. So it's definitely a challenge for all of us, no matter what type of business we're in.
0: Well, you you just went to the idea of uh, the business ten years down the road. Um, give me a little uh, clearer picture of what you think the industry might look like ten years from now. Uh, you know what what is uh, what is what is it going to take to succeed in this industry uh, in twenty twenty five.
1: Well, I think barring major macro unforeseen changes uh, in the world, like, uh, for example, uh, it just becoming out of favor to give away plastic stuff that is, can fill landfills, let's say, right? Okay. So, barring this massive, this political thing where, you know, that, or we have to stop buying from China because so much of our stuff comes from China, these massive things, put those things aside. I think it gets down to basic business and the evolution of business, no matter what industry you're in, our industry or, or another. Uh, it's, it's about continual, continually adding value. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think the way we look at our customers is we, we slice and dice our customer base, and we're trying to find out where do we add the most value? Where can we find people that appreciate us enough to stay for a long time? Because other than that, I mean, to get your first order is very expensive in our business. You know, to get send out three or four samples of, of a T-shirt for a five hundred dollar order, it costs you more to, spe- to process the returns to get your money back. But you wind up having to use that money against the profit on the order. Mm-hmm. So you really want to try to find an audience that's more ca- through data, uh, through data analysis that's more capable of uh, spending and staying with you, and that will value that. So uh, I just think that long-term, that's what we have to worry about and all businesses need to say, how do I continue to add value and how can I continue to attract an audience that um, where, where I can add value? And, and part of it's all about adapting and listening to customers. I mean, we've all read tons of business books. It's all about adapting. It's all about listening to the customer. What do you need me to do next? I don't think the answer that what you need me to do next is to sell you office supplies or print. Mm-hmm. I think what what you need me to do next has to do with, how the business operates internally, and how much you can take uh, weight weight off their shoulders that they would appreciate. You know, if they they know that working with another person on a promo took lots of hours of their time, where there were lots of complications because the person asked a lot of questions, versus working with someone has a much who has a much smoother way to work with you that maybe is more efficient or knows their stuff or can make some decisions that you go, oh, I like what you did. Thank you for for taking that uh, that guess from me. I do like you know, what you presented. So it really depends. Uh, it's a subtlety that might be hard to describe. I hope you understand what I mean there.
0: Yeah, yeah sure, I do. It actually leads me a little bit to, to my next question. Uh, you touched on, um, you know, kind of uh, figuring out what your buyer needs. Do you think that distributors in this industry today do enough to really appeal to the needs of of today's buyers?
1: You know, I'm a little out of touch with the. With you know the full range of different kinds of distributors out there, I would I would imagine this: uh, the distributors that have long-term businesses that are either growing or have clients that stay with them, they they must by definition be doing doing something right for their customer. And what they what what their customer would in a survey tell you that that distributor does for them is the definition of you know what where, where the value is being added. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we survey our customers a lot. We hear a couple of different themes. And, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do around I, 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 I trust, one-stop shop, saving time, and uh, feeling like we have their, their artwork and all their best interests. And there's not a lot of rework and there's not a lot of back and forth. I think that that's, you know, one of the main reasons why you keep customers. Because time is the most precious commodity. You know, another thing about this is this is a really complex business. Uh, and, uh, you know, the product knowledge alone that we have can save a tremendous amount of time.
0: Right. Uh, You know, as far as the complexity of the business is concerned, I know that there's um, uh, there are some in the in the market that believe that in some cases we need to get younger to be appealing to some of the needs of today's buyers. Um, And I think some are doing that and some maybe are not focused on that. Do you think the industry sort of needs to make a concerted effort to hire more young people?
1: Well, I guess the first question I would ask, whether I agree with it or not, is how does an industry together make a concerted effort to hire young people? Like, is this even sure. a realistic thing? What would you think? Uh,
0: you know, uh, yeah, no, it's probably not. I guess I guess the question is probably better. Do you think companies should be making an effort to hire younger people?
1: Well, this gets back to Mr. Free Market. You know, I'm a free markets guy. Right. And, uh... Should companies be making an effort? I mean, if it is in their best financial interest to do so, then it certainly would be nice. Um, I think uh, it's a challenging thing. I think that one of the places that I find a lot of pride in what I've done in the business over the last 17, 18 years has been the fact that uh, we've brought a number of young people into the business. You know, We're about 130 people now, maybe 140 people. And I would say that uh, on a whole, our age group uh, skews to be the younger side of the industry, which I think we all kind of agree is getting on, on the old side. Right. And it's all, I think it's all based on economics. Uh, economically, we have um, – it's a big challenge. You hire somebody. You can't hire them for nothing. And if you hire someone for nothing, you know, what are the chances they're going to be good? So if you hire mm-hmm. a decent person, um, you gotta, you got know, how many are you going to keep? And Do you have a training program i get again, I get back to this problem. You're an owner of a business you're doing fifty percent of the sales yourself. You don't want to lose your big clients and you don't have time to to you don't have any extra money to start with to invest in systems computers, an h r director a hire a training person. you know the best you can do is maybe bring them to a uh, an ASI show and let them take a couple of classes on education day. Right. I mean, but that's not really training, and that's not bringing people properly into the business. If there's anything, you're making someone leave and then tell everyone how bad, how difficult it is for young people. I think when you're a web player like us, we were fortunate enough to be able to have leads uh, and traffic. And by having all the leads and traffic, it helps us subsidize because we have people that are coming to us that are halfway to purchase. Right. And uh, now I can have someone and, and they can train with other people. And we, we have the profitability left over to reinvest in growth and in gr- growth in younger people. So I would love this industry to, to have younger people in it. But it's all based on economics. And I think that's where we are today. It's a, it's a very, you know, I might say something about, about hiring. It's, it is a very rare person. That succeeds in our business. I'm always impressed with the people I meet who are distributors that have been distributors for a long time. There's something about them. They're very, very multifaceted people. They are generally pretty smart. They can understand a client's business. They have sales skills where they can schmooze and talk and listen. They have an incredible memory for product. Right. So they could add value and be able to know where to go with the stuff. And at the same time, they're fairly detail oriented. So that they're able to deal with all the complexities of half the order shipping this way and the sizes and these colors and what happens when I'm getting a product from two different suppliers and my client has yellow but they don't want a PMS match, is the yellow going to look too far off for them? And it's, it's a whole complex thing going on here. So to find someone in the business that, that really fits and does a good job is, is a hard thing on its own, even with a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So. It's a, it's a, it to be the you know the bearer of bad news, but it's it's a really tough thing to do, and that's I think why you have an industry that doesn't have so many young people because there's not a lot of profit left, right, for the owner to build a business, and I think that that's one of the amazing things about ePromos, is that we've been able to build a business that continues to grow, that brings people in the industry, not on hey you keep I'll keep fifty percent, you keep fifty percent. And if you don't work out, it didn't cost me anything. Right. It's not a way to get a – it's not a way to – but that's how the business – that's why the business is where it is. Yeah.
2: So they get true. like
1: one one-tenth of the success that they – or one-hundredth of the success they actually can have if they would, you know, figure out exactly and match the person's skills to the hiring. It's a big challenge. You know, we spend a lot of time, believe it or not, profiling our best salespeople. And when we interview, we ask ourselves – you know, how is this person at memory? How is this person at the detail? How is this person at the sales part? And we try to find that multifaceted person, and it's it's tough.
2: Mm-hmm. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, that's not easy. So
1: younger, I want younger. I, w- I would love younger, but it's that's just not something that we can really right. have an opinion on.
0: <laughs> It'd be nice. Right, I hear you. All right, so I've, uh, I've picked your brain on the industry and the future of the market and uh, how to succeed in the market. And now let's switch gears a little bit and um, uh, we can end with a, a few personal questions. How's that sound?
1: Sounds good. You know, I just should make, make one more statement oh, I, sure. just, while I have your ear. I think that, you know, one of the biggest, I, I mentioned it subtly before, but I just want to mention it again. The, the, the For this business to survive, people sales especially sales reps my problem with sales reps is that a lot of times they have two clients that make up like half their half their um their profits they right. they lose one or two big clients and they can't pay the rent yeah. um, so that's kind of a scary proposition what he promos it's a little bit of a plug but it's i think it's more more of a uh, a macroeconomic kind of business model thing that people should be aware of uh, we've been finding we I, we we've been finding that people who the, the kind of companies that get leads and are starting to build a, a known brand, whether it's on the web uh, or maybe it's a brand that's known in the community, that are able to give those leads to salespeople. I believe those type of companies are going to survive long term.
2: Hmm.
1: So the guy who's got fifty percent of the book, in his own business, he's got a couple of people that work for him that that basically use them as a, use he or her as a bank. And maybe a, you know, maybe for a name on a business card, those those people are. I don't know how that lasts. I, I think that salespeople should go align themselves with someone where they can get some leads to help support their their book, and get the kind of systems, CRM systems, computer systems, marketing support, and all the kind of things out there that that they should have. That they're probably not going to be able to get from their owner. Who just doesn't have the time, the skills, the mindset, the experience? I mean, how many owners worked at a, 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 a professional sales organization with Salesforce.com and various kind of like strategic marketing and lead generation and data analysis? Right. It, it, this business is getting more sophisticated, mm-hmm. and and I, I you know we, we've been getting uh, you know people calling us and say and, and saying I. I need an organization here. I need to work as a team. You know, we've, we have some very large accounts, too. So a lot of people think ePromos.com is this web-based business, and it is. But we have, we have, num- we have many accounts that do multi-million dollars with us. Mm-hmm. And that takes a whole team. Sure. It takes a whole team to make that happen. And so to have an organization that could help, you know, help a rep do all types of business in a way I think is the future, and I think a much more sophisticated back office platform, a brand system type of place is is the way is the way of the future. I'd be really nervous to be a sales rep uh, at, at a place where I'm not getting much support at all, right. regardless of my commission. Gotcha. So that's my point on that. Now you wanted to get to the uh, fluffy question. Let's get to the fun stuff.
0: No, just kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> That is uh, the fun stuff for me. Oh, (laughs) yes, I know. It is for me, too. (laughs) All right, who's the business leader that that you respect the most? The business leader that I respect the most?
1: Well, I'm not going to go with your Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Steve Jobs today. I'm sorry. That's fine. Uh, You know, having having worked with uh, Steve Paradiso firsthand one-on-one, I think I can tell you that he's probably one of the business leaders that I respect the most. Uh, I brought Steve in uh, two and a half years ago uh, as president of the company, and he really, I, I've shown, I've seen, I've seen and learned a tremendous amount from Steve. When, uh, when I got to be maybe 80, 100 employees, I started to realize that, you know, maybe the entrepreneur in me is not cut out for a larger organization in terms of being able to manage as many, or, as many people. Bringing Steve in, I got a whole new high level experienced executive to to learn from and so uh i would say that you know i can read a book about steve jobs and it sounds like a guy but the guy that i work firsthand with
2: Mm uh
1: probably i can have the most respect for because i i know i know all of it instead of just reading it from a book
0: so i would
1: say that steve paradiso definitely is the person that comes to mind today for sure
0: very good well i'm sure steve will be happy to hear that all right so hey, Steve. where did you go on your most recent vacation
1: where did I go on my most, well I moved to Florida
0: isn't that like
1: isn't that you know kind of a most recent vacation I, now, I, I didn't go you,
0: vacation of sorts
1: you know when I went to the ASI summit was it like 2009 or 10 in, in Laguna yeah in Laguna Niguel I, I I love that place and I started to go back there every summer uh with with the kids and uh I liked it so much that I moved to Florida, which is basically kind of like California without the taxes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I mean, I would say that that's, that's something. I also went to the Grateful Dead's 50th
0: anniversary shows in Chicago this summer. So oh. that was
1: kind of a little vacation. But I haven't been on a big vacation.
0: I've been working too hard. So. Oh, shit, yeah, there you go, working too hard, moving to Florida. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I'm working harder now that I'm here. <laughs> Very good. Okay, what one tech item can you simply not live without?
1: Oh, Skype and my cordless headset. Uh, since, since I'm remote now, I literally live with Skype, the screen, uh-huh. my cordless headset all day long. Um, in fact, if you didn't call me on my cell, I probably would have called you from there. So I, can, I could have group meetings and I could call out regular phone numbers and I can instant message with anyone in my entire company because we're all on it. Mm-hmm. So I think that that definitely is the indispensable thing.
0: Very, for sure. Very good idea. And lastly, what is your favorite promotional product? This is a question, huh? What is my favorite yeah. promotional item? That's right. You
1: know, I, I don't have a favorite promotional item. Uh, you know, I think the, the industry line is, you know, it depends on what, uh, you know, what your needs are, because I can't tell you that one promotional product is better than another unless I know <laughs> what your business objectives are. But for me, I just love making businesses operate so that my staff can help customers and grow their careers. And for me, it's about administering business, you know, having, just making, making an amazing business for, for everyone, the customers and the people that work for me. That's pretty much for me what, what I uh, get excited about. And so the products that go, that get sold through there, uh, as long as they're right for the customer, that's, then they're right for me. And they're my as, favorite.
0: As long as they're making you money.
1: Well, it doesn't have to be a ton, but it's got to be enough to continue to grow and, and execute the strategy that we think is happening in the business.
0: That's the objective. You know, it's okay. Stay alive. <laughs> there you go. All <laughs> Stay right. relevant. All right, Jason. Well, thanks very much for uh, for joining us and for being our guest today on uh, the Power Fifty Podcast.
1: My pleasure, Andy. Great talking to you.
0: Thanks. We'll speak to you again soon. Okay, I'll see you soon. All right. This has been the latest installment of the Counselor Podcast Power 50 series. To listen to more podcasts, go to ASICentral.com podcast.